Well, what was really cool about this report is that we did get all of this initially from the uh, experts, you know, and so what we did was we transcribed all of the interviews and then went through and kind of categorized where everyone was talking about different, you know, subjects. And so then we came up with like, okay, here's 10 categories of topics and you've got quotes from everyone pieced together in those categories. And then we did additional research and looked for, you know, what it what are what's the research out there saying and um and that's how we piece it together hey folks i'm clayton collins the ceo at hw media and today i'm joined by our friends dave savage and kristen messerly dave is the chief innovation officer for mortgage coach and sales boomerang and kristen is the vp of strategy for experience.com we invited Dave and Kristen onto the show today to talk about a report they just published on the state of the housing market. They're coining this the halftime report. And to develop this report, they reviewed data as well as talked to 25 industry executives and analysts and researchers about what's happening in the 2022 housing market and the tactics and recommendations to prepare mortgage professionals and real estate professionals for a productive second half of 2022 and prepare themselves for to be really productive in 2023. I really enjoyed this conversation with Dave and Kristen, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. These two really experienced, dynamic, and creative thinkers. Enjoy the show. And now a quick message from our housing news sponsor, Radiant Title Services. Blockchain is changing the future of homeownership because it creates online documentation of title and closing transactions that can be seen by all parties. Blockchain facilitates quick title transfers, gives you more security, is more efficient, and offers home buyers and agents a more streamlined process. To see how Title Genius by Radian positions you to close more quickly, visit mytitlegenius.com. And if you're a real estate agent, there's a link right on the landing page with specific knowledge for you. Well, again, really appreciate y'all being available to talk about this, this pretty in- incredible and uh, robust report, the uh, the 2022 State of Mor- the Mortgage Industry Halftime Report. Um, this is this is impressive. Y'all did some some serious work and in, in interviews to pull this one together. We we did. Uh, I don't think I've ever put more hours into a piece of industry thought leadership in my in my career. Yeah. So Dave and Kristen yeah, interviewed. Now, Kristen, please go ahead. I was just going to say, it really snowballed, I think. I mean, at first, Dave was like, hey, let's inter- interview some industry experts. And he was doing going through a ton of interviews and definitely spent a lot of time on that. And then we were like, oh, there's so much here. And so as we started sifting through all the data that was getting shared, we had more experts we wanted to talk to and um, more research we wanted to do. And it just kind of grew into this whole thing. And by the end of it, I, I kept laughing while I was working on it because I was just like, I can't, this is not the plan to spend this much time on it, but it was so, I was excited about it. I know Dave loved it as well. Like the whole time we did it, I think it was a really enjoyable project, you know, but, um, and we're both really proud of it. Yeah. It's a very good combination of the analytical and kind of qualitative view of the industry right now. So Dave and Kristen interviewed 25 mortgage industry executives, and I want to give credit where credit is due. So 
hold, hold tight with me for a second here. Steve Jacobson, Bill Dallas, Matt Clark, Susan Stewart, Shapanosian, Garth Graham, Sue Woodard, yours truly, Clayton Collins, Jormy Forcier, Tony Thompson, Julian Hebron, Todd Duncan, Rich Harris, Tony Blodgett, Rosemary David, Rob Christman, Dan Rawich, Austin Nemec, Bruce Dickerson, Logan Motoshami, Jim Park, Brett Palmer, Scott Nicholson, Craig Sewing, and Todd Ballinger. Um, quite a quite a list of people that you you found availability to actually get on the phone and get on get on YouTube video and 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 have these conversations. Dave, were there any kind of trends that really popped out to you that you were hearing from the origination focused executives that you interviewed, like kind of the 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 trend or pain point that they were feeling kind of in the moment when you were having these conversations? Well, first of all, I was I was surprised how different every conversation was. So I did think it would actually be a lot of similar conversation with nuance to each of them. But I, I was surprised how everybody came at it differently. Uh, it was also just fun, you know, asking people, hey, I'm writing this article. Here's the topic. I'd like to ask you a few questions. And some people were like, I'm available. Let's go. And some people, well, could you tell me what you're going to ask me first? And so I was, it was, it was interesting, but, uh, I, I think, you know, interest rates going up as much as they have, as quick as they have was obviously a big trend that none of us have seen. You know, I've been doing this for 36 years and no one has seen rates rise so rapidly, so quick. And, and then, you know, obviously the other trend is just equity. You know, none of us have seen, uh, such a difficult market, but also, Hey, there's a lot of equity in the purchase market is still uh, relatively strong. So it's a it's a different market than any of us have seen. Usually when there's rates go up that fast, it's just bad for all of us. And it's like, how do we survive? But uh, the trend was everyone unanimously felt like there's some really difficult headwinds and there's some really incredible opportunities. And that was the, the biggest trend of all. Kristen, for the conversations that that you led, did you see any kind of trends or, or themes pop out to you that you focused on through the conversations? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, throughout all of the interviews, it it did feel like there everyone had mixed conversation around the affordability issue and uh, rising rates. I thought that was really interesting. Like we did see, you know, some increase in inventory recently. But if you look over time, it is still so small compared to you know where we are today. But I think it, it was interesting to see how a lot of people did. We, we can see that we're in a, a really good year, despite the fact that we're so far down in volume um, projected against last year. And so I think looking at the historical perspective was really fascinating to me. Um, but some of the conversations I had, like, uh, recently, towards the end, I interviewed Jim Park, um, who is an expert in a lot of things. But one of those things is uh, being on the edge of uh, blockchain and real estate. And that was a really interesting section to add in there around um, some of the innovations and changes we're seeing in cryptocurrency. Um, 12%, he said, were using um, some form of cryptocurrency as part of their down payment, uh, which I, did, I just didn't realize was that big of a percentage of people. So it was, it was really interesting. Yeah, that, that's an interesting trend and like kind of oddly fortuitous, the, the sponsor of Housing News um, this this month or this quarter is is Radiant Title Services, and they're going to be run, running ads on this show about blockchain and, and title and mortgage. So uh, it's it's interesting that theme pops up. But so before we really jump into the the meat of the report and the methodology, 
Um, I want to highlight that Dave and Kristen are are not researchers or journalists. They're both they both have day jobs, busy day jobs. Um, Dave serves as um, I'm going to make sure I get the new title right. Dave, the Chief Innovation Officer at Mortgage Coach and Sales Boomerang. Dave, a lot has kind of transpired for you in the first half of 2022 at Mortgage Coach. Can you give us a little glimpse into what has changed in the business that that you that you lead and um, in which direction you're headed in? Yeah, so it's it's just an incredibly exciting time for both Mortgage Coach and Sales Boomerang, and and it's an exciting time for the for the industry. Because, you know, through technology and through presentations and education, we can really transform lives and, and make the mortgage experience a lot more valuable for consumers, uh, and, and, and also help from a financial literacy standpoint. So mortgage coach, and you did a great job of covering this when we um, announced our relationship with LLR partners. You know, we, we are now formally merging the two businesses, uh, I, I have been a, a CEO for, gosh, over, I think, 29 years. I've, I've been the guy that manages the C-suite, makes sure that we have the right people in the right seat on the bus, um, act the executive team. And I've also been a, a thought leader, an innovator. I mean, my entire adult life as a professional, I've always been, how can I leverage technology to improve the value for consumers? Uh, you know, how can we turn any type of technology, something that just makes communication, makes experience better. And, and now that's my full-time job is chief innovation officer. It's a combination of thought leadership. So I'll be running uh, a newsroom for mortgage coach and sales boomerang and the platform that we have. And then I'll also be taking trends in the industry, voice of customer and bringing that into our product so that we have a more valuable product that, that helps lenders be the forever lender. Like I do think one theme. That will, will be the case for, for many years to come is, is that, you know, we're building tech platforms so that lenders can anticipate who needs a loan, who could benefit from a loan, and will always be turning complex concepts into something simple through digital presentations. But, uh, now I get to do my, my fun, the fun part of my job full time. I'm excited. What were the business dynamics that like told you that now is the time to kind of step to the chief innovation officer role versus continuing to lead the the combined business? Well, two 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 things. I I had actually planned on maintaining the CEO role through this year and thinking about a CEO next year, but but two things. One, the to me the clear importance of thought leadership. Uh, it's not like the industry understands that we could end financial literacy. It's not like the industry all understands the value of advice and data. So um, the that importance of that part of my job has never been more important. And then the the job of CEO, merging two successful fast growth businesses, uh, having a partner like LLR that is willing to to fund us to grow even faster. We 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 need we needed an operator at the CEO full time wasn't you know, combining as a industry thought leader and that, and then, and then we found Rich Harris, you know, we, we found someone that, uh, had the experience of growing fast growth, SaaS based technologies, had the values that we have, you know, to us, the most important customer is our team and, and having a, a great culture, a wow culture, a no bar left behind culture is important to us. And I just, you know, got, found the right person and to make sure that we have that internal right culture and then, Leaves Alex and I the opportunity to 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 be thought leaders and to, and to make sure we're bringing the voice of customer into our product. 
time was right. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. It's amazing what uh, how like hiring decisions and timelines can change when you do identify the right person. And I, I imagine bringing on a, a, a new leader and Rich will be a force multiplier for for you and Alex and your ability to have an impact internally and externally. I'm, I'm really excited for for all of you in this move. So. Kristen, I, I want to jump to you for a sec. So today you're you're leading um, strategy as VP of strategy for experience.com. Can you give us a quick glimpse into experience.com and, and then we'll jump into like your focus of your you know, of your role as VP of strategy? Yeah. So experience.com is formerly known as Social Survey. Um, we transitioned over about a year ago and um, we were known as leading the industry in terms of uh, building brand reputation online. So helping, we have over 250 lenders and 40,000 loan officers who um, use our, our, our company to help them build reputation. But as part of experience.com, we now are able to have multiple touch points beyond just post-close. And so we do like in the middle of the process or canceled loans or with referral partners and things like that that help you um, with automation, stay in touch and escalate, you know, certain insights to the right people at the right time. So um, we always say it's about making experiences matter more. And um, so that's the, that's the focus of experience.com. That makes a lot of sense. As you look toward like the second half of 2022 and 2023, as VP of strategy, what are you focused on from kind of a, a core tactics or, or new business opportunities that you see for experience.com? So, um, so it's interesting because I think going through this report has actually shifted a little bit of my perspective on that. But I think um, we, you know, we do support business, especially you know, lenders with increasing profitability through higher conversion rates and um, and turning those insights into um, data that people can actually manage and understand. And so I think my role is really going to be in bringing better leadership and clarity into how to use the platform in a way that they're going to get um, the most out of it. But I think, um, yeah, supporting things like increased conversion and, um, and, you know, using things like mid-process surveys and stuff like that can really help with that. Um, and then I'm also looking at other business channels within the industry and financial services as a whole. So looking into banking and, um, and how are we, are we reaching all of the wholesale channel and servicing and that type of thing. That's interesting. Is social or is experience.com operating any of like the non mortgage and real estate verticals today? And like, if not, like, where do you think the most logical entry point is to start building that, that banking or other financial services business line? Yeah, we are a little bit, we've touched on different industries. We're definitely, definitely able to, but I think breaking through into industries outside of mortgage is difficult because we've been just so mortgage is our bread and butter. Um, it's what we were born out of. Um, but we have started breaking through into, um, some other areas like healthcare and insurance. Um, but I think that banking definitely is our, our first priority. And that's going to be one of my focus areas is how to, you know, um, understand. And we, we have started delivering and, uh, with a couple of our customers on the retail banking side. Um, but I think that that's a huge opportunity for expansion. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I really, the, the point you made about this report kind of influencing some of your strategy resonates really strongly with me. Our chief of staff and I, Alex, just, just finished a, a white paper on the combination of 
of media and data as a as a business strategy and like just putting our thoughts on paper was so influential on like some of the decisions that we're going to be making in in the coming months and years so uh, I, I can I can see how working on this report which our listeners are going to get a, a deeper glimpse into in a few minutes was influential for for both you and Dave yeah that's what I love about doing this kind of thing is it it is a piece of content that we can bring value to the industry with, but it also is teaching me a lot along the way, you know, and it really um, makes me think through or, yeah, put my thoughts on paper in a more articulate way. So Kristen, I think one of the, the most interesting parts of this research paper was the approach that you and Dave took to, to building out the, the content and concepts. And it was a very data-first approach. And the report even starts with a, point, uh, a section completely on the data points and trends that you uncovered before going into these anecdotal conversations with, with industry executives. And so what were the drivers or the, the data points that you chose to focus on to help build the, the thesis for this halftime report? Well, what was really cool about this report is that we did get all of this initially from the uh, experts, you know, and so what we did was we transcribed all of the interviews and then went through and kind of categorized where everyone was talking about different, you know, subjects. And so then we came up with like, okay, here's 10 categories of topics and you've got quotes from everyone pieced together in those categories. And then we did additional research and looked for, you know, what it what are what's the research out there saying and um and that's how we piece it together. So it's cool because I do feel like we aggregated the information, put the information together, but it is kind of written by the industry and industry experts. When you did that kind of categorization of like the 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 conversation into different buckets, what were the data areas that started to kind of form as clusters um or pe- that people were talking about? Um I mean they're all in the report, but I think uh, Big one, of course, was the rising rates, low inventory, affordability. Um, and those were areas that we, especially affordability, we wanted to really expand on like why and, and what are the dynamics there? Because people were also sometimes saying like a little bit different things or had different perspectives on it. Um, and then I think that there were trends around like, we didn't, uh, I think we, this is in the appendix, but you know, the shift to non-depositories and what that dynamic was like. Um, and what were some of the other things that people were talking about? Um, automation. But I mean, it ended up being a lot of different categories, but then we were able to see here are some similarities or here's what um, where we want to fit this into either the trends section or maybe this is more of a recommendation. Yeah, okay. So let's get into those those trends and recommendations. And Dave, let me let me bring it back to, to you here. So the, the report like states the, the state of the market. We know in the last two months rates are up two percent, um, at least three percent so far th- this year, and housing inventory um, has been fluttering around record lows, but we might be seeing some of those dynamics shift right now. Dave, can you go into a few of the core trends that surprised you as you started to pull this data and insight together, um, kind of giving nod to your your years of experience in the housing industry? Yeah. So, so first, you know, when I started this project, it was an internal document for mid year planning, and and I had determined that you know mid year planning was going to be different this year because by the time I started working on it, it was a different year. You know, we. The, the budget we created, the plan that we created, 
uh, it was all different. There, there was just too much pivot in the market. So always start with the brutal reality. And, and we organized that by affordability. You know, obviously interest rate fits into that. We, we organized that by untapped equity. Cause that was the other thing. This is a different market. And the fact that there's some really difficult trends, but then there's some things that create these incredible opportunities. And then the, the digital shift era that we're in, you know, the, the fact that the industry is digitizing. So those, those were the key trends that created the opportunities. And, and so, you know, I, I, it was interesting. I interviewed a number of leaders that were very data driven and very, um, you know, like, Hey, this data, we're going to do this. And then Steve Jacobson, you know, one of my favorite interviews, Steve is just like, Hey, in every market in the, in, in the mortgage business, there's always change. It's always different. And there's always a top 10 and top 20% that jump on that change. They adopt that change and they win and they gain market share. So, uh, I, I thought, um, it was just, it was very interesting how different every, um, leader was. But to me, the, you know, what, what I came, when I came out of this, is that there, it's never been more clear where the opportunities are in this market. Uh, getting after the untapped equity, um, doing the best practices. You know, you and I both have um, a lot of passion for, for peer groups, masterminds, and that when smart people get in a room, they get intentional, they get transparent and they share data. And then they come out of that with clarity around, you know, how to win in this market. Uh, that's how good things happen. And so that was another thing you, you influenced this also, not only by your interview, but by, you know, my goal was that anybody that follows me, Dave Savage, Kristen Messerly, mortgage coach, sales boomerang, experience.com, we're, we're going to do our best to not just tell how we think the world is, get a lot of different data points, and then give some very clear recommendations. I, I did have, um, in terms of a personal epiphany, uh, you know, I've, I've always instinctually felt that conversion is more important than volume and, 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 and measurements like customer satisfaction and loan officer profitability is more important than, you know, production numbers. How many loans did you close? What your volume is? But I, I would say after all the interviews I did, all the reflection that we did, I just, I grew like if, if we as an industry could put, um, more focus on those metrics over volume and loans and put more focus on conversion and efficiency metrics. And then we, we did more best practice peer grouping and everybody started doing regular sales meetings and really obsessing over those metrics and training around those metrics. It, um, it, that grew big time. For me, that was that was my personal biggest takeaway from the from the project is is how uh, how simple it could be to to be profitable, to be successful, and to gain market share. So, Dave, yesterday the NBA released their their latest application survey, and it, it showed that refis are down seven point seven percent, and purchase was down four point three over the prior week. But the, the point I'm making here is the article and some of the, the coverage that we've seen points at affordability and inventory problems as a challenge. And to, to tie that to your report, um, you were kind of astute enough to highlight that new listings are increasing, days on, markets are, days on market are extending, and price reductions are increasing. And I mean, one of the reasons I've always found housing interesting is this is a this is a marketplace, right? And one of the challenges we've had in this marketplace is that we haven't had enough new listings 
homes are selling too quickly and there are their price reductions have been out of whack. And in, in a normal market, we see price reductions at, at 30%. So like this is actually a kind of a normal thing to see price reductions like creeping back up. What did you learn about like potentially some of these like negative indicators about new list like inventory increasing and the balance that that's something our market actually needs? And I I, I want to cover this because I feel I anticipate that today and tomorrow the rest of the week we're gonna see like national news headlines talking about housing being in a really ugly place because days on market is extending and new listings are increasing. Though these are the things that us housing professionals are thirsty for. Like we need more inventory. <laughs> we, we need home price appreciation to, to calm down a little bit. Um, can you can you go a little deeper on some of these trends that you uncovered in this project? So so I I think and again this not what I do for a living is predict interest rates and forecast things like this. But coming out of all of the conversations I came with people ranging from CEOs that have chief economists to interviewing actual chief economists, I, I think we'll look back on this period right now and there will be a pre-COVID era and there will be a trend uh, that really, I mean, there's a 30-year, 40-year, but you know, there's a, a clear trend um, since the meltdown. And then there was the COVID bubble. You know, where, where housing went up and it was, you know, it was unusual. And then we're going to have the post COVID era. And I, I think we will kind of just, you'll look at that bubble of, of the COVID period and, and it will just be an unusual, um, little micro bubble. And, and where we're getting right now is, is just back to a, a, you know, heading towards a more normal market. I, I do think rates will normalize. Again, I tell everybody, you know, I don't forecast rates and don't study trend lines like a lot of the, you know, Logan, who we interviewed, Dan Rawich, who we interviewed. But my, my personal thesis is we're just, we're just getting to a more, more normal market. It's super healthy. And, and the, the originators and the executives that just make sure you plan accordingly. Uh, you, you're, you're going to kill it. I, I think you like answered one of my favorite questions to ask housing experts is how's the housing market? And you know, kind of the context that you're like at a backyard barbecue and someone's like, How's the housing market? And like as a It's a, great. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> as industry executives are like, well, let me list out all the data points. It might influence your thinking on that. But really that's not how you should talk at a backyard barbecue. So I think you just you just nailed it there. We're, we're returning to a more normalized market. Healthy despite um healthy. Okay. Sustainable. Healthy and sustainable marketplace, and it's very exciting uh, based on your personal goals and what you want to achieve. So, Kristen, if you were at a Fourth of July backyard barbecue last weekend, uh, and I'm sure somebody asked you about um, the housing market, how, how have you been addressing that question with your friends and peers and family? Well, I like a little bit of drama, so I might quote uh, Logan and say that we're in a savagely unhealthy market right now. <laughs> but, easy, but, easy, easy with your use of savage. Um, but, easy with the use of savage. I, I know. I, I loved that quote. Um, no, but then I do talk about it normalizing. I think um, it's interesting because it, it did that interview with Logan did kind of blow my mind in looking at the. Um, the data over time, you know, and I think he brought up something around how we we should be at a range of 1.5 to 1.9 million homes on the market. And right now we're at around one. Um, so, you know, just looking at 
what things should be versus what is like we've had inventory rise a little bit, price reductions increase a little bit, that type of thing. Um, but then also looking at home price evaluations, what we're what are projected over the next few years, that's expected to definitely normalize. And it's decreasing a lot from 17% last year to like 6% this year. Um, but that's much more normal. And so I, but looking at that over, uh, over what, what is projected across all different kinds of experts and the research that we did externally as well, um, that made me feel a lot safer and better about telling my friends that, yeah, we're, you're, you know, the market is normalizing and that kind of thing, even though we are in a savagely unhealthy space right now. And now we're going to take a, a really quick break for this week's edition of the Mortgage Minute brought to you by Angel Oak Mortgage Solutions. Originations may be down this year, but there are still ways to add to your volume. This is Stephen Whitaker, Chief Marketing Officer with Angel Oak with today's non-QM Minute. We all know this has been a tough year for originations, but non-QM provides a pool of borrowers you might not have thought to specifically market to, including the self-employed, gig workers, and real estate investors. Bank statement loans for the self-employed and investor cash flow for real estate investors are two products that are easy to start with. It's not too late to get in a non-QM. Many originators are just now closing their first non-QM loan and are ready to do more in order to protect their volume in the second half of the year. Join them and win more deals using non-QM. And that's today's non-QM Minute. I, I think what's funny about that is uh, Dave saying healthy and Kristen saying savagely unhealthy are actually both correct answers. And that's yeah, like kind of the, be- yeah. the beauty of this being a, a marketplace is it's it's different for, for different sides in the marketplace. And what we're hoping for is equilibrium where both sides are like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but, uh, but right now, um, if you're an originator or a real estate professional who lives and breathes on volume, it's, it's a little bit tough. Um, if you're a first time home buyer, it's savagely unhealthy. Um, but if you're looking at credit quality and looking at stability of home prices, I think we have some really healthy dynamics. So it's, it's a complicated issue. Um, which I think brings us to the topic of, of recommendations. So Dave, can I kind of flip to you with, um, to, and ask you the question, what was, what's your number one recommendation kind of coming out of this exercise? And I know you and Kristen dug in with a, a, a bunch of tactics and recommendations for being successful in this market, but what's kind of your number one takeaway that you would recommend to loan origination, loan originators and loan origination executives? Well, I'm going to answer it my number one, but I do have a important close number two. But for me, the tip of the spear, because it is true from an affordability standpoint, it is savagely unhealthy. Like when we look at, you know, what millennials are dealing with with home ownership and we look at buying your first home, uh, it, it, it is, it's never been difficult. When I say, Hey, we're still in this healthy market. I'm saying, Hey, if your job, your CEO and you're running a lending platform or you're a loan officer, there is still a very healthy opportunity uh, for you to make a living and for lenders to be going on the offense. You know, how do we go on the offense? So the industry is healthy, lots of opportunity. Yeah, we're having the right size. And so the number one most important recommendation is, is as an industry, we need to go beyond the mortgage transaction. For as long as I have been in this business and I've watched technology evolve and I've watched the practices of the mortgage industry it is obsessed with closing a transaction as quickly and efficiently as you can close it 
so that you can sell it on the secondary and to do it compliantly. And guys, I am not saying those are unimportant things because those are table stakes to being in the mortgage business. If you can't close it quick, if it's not compliant, and if you can't sell it, we're dead. You are not in the mortgage business. But I think we need to go as an industry beyond the transaction and we need to start educating consumers on the power of home ownership, uh, what it means to go from renting to owning. Uh, I remember, uh, what, what year was it that they redid, um, the fee worksheet? They did trid. What, what year was that that it came out and they started instead of just showing APR, they started showing the total cost over 30 years. What, what year was that that they did that? Anybody remember? Putting on my his, historian hat here. I think it was 2015. 20, 2015. Okay. So that was a move in the right step that consumers don't understand mortgages. They don't understand the total cost because it was, it was not far enough. Like when a family gets into debt, to know your monthly payment, to know your cash to close, to know your interest rate, obviously that's a transaction. But families really need to know the cost over the time that they're likely to own that. And families need to know how to pay off that debt faster. Um, cause at the end of the day, families don't get loans because they want loans. They get loans because they want homes. And the American dream is sustainably owning a home to where it becomes debt free someday and you're financially free or you have enough money in the bank to where you can be financially free. So I think as an industry, we need to start delivering a little bit of financial literacy with every mortgage transaction, you know, the, the recommendation in the report. So we as an industry need to be the captain of the wealth team. We can be more valuable to a consumer than a CPA, a financial planner. We have more data. We've got assets. We've got liabilities. And, and so my biggest recommendation is as a, at a C-suite level, at a mortgage loan officer level, um, take that responsibility serious. And here's the deal. It will be good for America. It'll be good for the consumers that you serve. And you'll also have better conversion rates. You'll also be more profitable. You'll also close more loans and have higher volume uh, by going beyond the transaction and and really helping people understand how to build wealth with real estate and how to achieve their financial freedom point. That's my number one. That's excellent, Dave. Lo- I love it. And I, I also love that you are winning the remote work game with uh, recording this podcast out by the by the pool today with the birds and bugs in the background. It is, uh, it's, it's, I love the, love the harmony. So, so Kristen, I'm going to flip that question to you. Going through this exercise, this, this entire report, what's the number one recommendation that you are coming out of this report with? Well, um, just skip back up to trends just for a second. Just looking at the uh, growth in the purchase market is obviously no surprise, but I think that, um, you know, and they said that we're dropping in 1.5 trillion this year, but purchase markets expected to be stable. And so that's all coming from refi. So anyway, that said, everyone was talking about how we need to get back to the basics and, um, and really understand how to you know, pivot towards reaching the purchase market. But the biggest recommendation for me is always around education. Um, but I think that that was similar to what Dave was talking about there. But I think that just becoming a, a I feel like everyone talks about, you know, outreach and staying connected and that kind of thing using social media. And yes, all of that's important. But I really felt like some of the best advice that we heard and that we aggregated was around being a, a better advisor. Um, and so, you know, each of the 
different areas of our recommendations were about how to leverage your advice in a way that's going to better connect. And, you know, we found that People are, of course, going to Google first and they're going, they're spending a lot of time on social media. Even actually before I was doing this report, I was, my YouTube feeds me all kinds of housing economy videos, you know, and, um, and I was feeling very low about the housing economy. And obviously there's still reason to feel that way. But after going through this report, I felt a lot more optimistic and just understanding, you know, the things that we've been talking about, the stabilization and all of that. And I, I feel like, that needs to be at the forefront of everyone's content when they're sharing things on social media and talking with their customers because everyone and I mean truly this conversation did come up at my 4th of July party and all my friends are saying like you know I don't I don't know about I have decided not to think about buying a home right now and I you know that just this total fear and um and when I talk about the, this kind of data of like you know you can still expect your home to appreciate and you know, look through that kind of stuff, it changes their perspective. And so really understanding how to lead with education, not just as here's how to buy a home, but here's what the market's doing and being a a leader in that space, I think is really important to win with the purchase market, which is driving the market today. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. So so Dave, I have a kind of an operator to operator question for you here. And one of the, the recommendations was commit to growth and in order to do that, measure and celebrate what matters. That that recommendation really resonated with me as much like you did with your business. We went through a kind of a, a mid-year um, strategy and like re- reforecasting updates to reflect the market that we're in. And one of the things that we've talked about as an executive team and management team and, and board of directors is the commitment to growth. And I... I think it was a good decision, but going back to March 2020, I made a pact with another operator. Like, I'm not participating in COVID-19. We're going through this. We are not slowing down. We're running even faster. And um, and I'm making that same commitment to myself and my business today. So I I'm interested in like the point you're trying to make with the recommendation of commit to growth. And for the mortgage lending industry, what does it mean to measure and celebrate what matters? So two two things. So the industry celebrates and measures vigorously the number of loans closed and the volume of that loan. In fact, they they do big president's club, chairman club on who closed the most loans, who had the most production. And by the way, I am not recommending we stop that practice. I think those are important metrics. They represent commissions for loan officers. They represent revenue for companies. But but I, I, I think we under measure and celebrate retention. And, and I, and, and, you know, it, it, it sales boomerang. One of the most important metrics we have, we call it RUM, records under management. And, and, and we make sure that, you know, those are consumers. Those are relationships. We're measuring the data. We're predicting when they're likely to need to refinance purchase. And, and I think the industry needs to, um, measure that. Like if you want to grow, I think, um, if you measure the right things, you celebrate the right things. You could create very profitable, sustainable mortgage practices. And so, you know, and I put the metrics in there. They're towards the end of the article. Uh, but it's going beyond transactions in volume. It's conversion. How many credit reports do we run versus how many loans do we open? Is that measured and celebrated on a per loan officer basis? Uh, retention. You know, there are some loan officers that outpace the average by like 3x. And there's some very simple practices that they have 
that everyone can do. Um, you know, profitability. You know, we're in a market right now where everybody's shopping and there are loan officers that are outperforming um, the, the, the rest and customer satisfaction. Experience.com releases their, um, you know, their annual thing. So I am just recommending that we, we start measuring those things. We start celebrating those things. And then we do our training around those things. Um, not, and, and we just over focus on loans and volume. So that's where I was going with that. And, uh, like I said, that was also one of my core takeaways and biggest recommendations. Excellent. We get a lot of head nodding from me on that one. Everything resonates a lot. So we're going to get a link to the halftime report in the show notes so the audience members can can check it out and hear more about um, all of these data points and uh, charts. And there's some good charts in there. There's Logan Motoshami style stuff, uh, recommendations and key trends. Um, Kristen, if anybody has any questions about the report or experience.com, how can we recommend they get in touch with you? LinkedIn is probably the best. I uh, would love for... People that follow me on LinkedIn, connect with me there. And um, but you can also email me directly, kmesserly at experience.com. And uh Mr. Hashtag No Borrower Left Behind, how can people find you? Yeah, I'm I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn. I'm Dave at mortgagecoach.com. And make sure you follow our YouTube channel, Mortgage Coach on YouTube. And if you're in the mortgage business, uh, we've got a, an active Facebook group, Mortgage Coach Productivity Mastermind. Yeah, it's a solid group. Dave, Kristen, thank you so much for the time and effort that you put into creating this halftime report, which I think will be a great resource for the entire housing industry and for your time today joining the Housing News Podcast. I really appreciate you both. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having us. Bam. Now that is a wrap of this week's episode of the Housing News Podcast. Do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and rate this show. And if you leave a comment, you better tune in next week because you might get a shout out. Thank you.